Well, good morning, everybody. I'd like to welcome everyone that is watching at home and around uh, the country, around the world. Uh, last week, we had this little uh, question and answer thing that happened after the service. We found out that our family has a bit more spread than we even thought that it had. And so I'd like to say a very special hello to a family who reached out this past week who are watching right now from the United Arab Emirates. And we are glad that you are along with us. We welcome you to our family. So welcome to everyone who's watching. Welcome to everybody in the room. We're glad that you're here. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant, the teaching pastor here at Christ the King. This Friday is a very, very important day. The fourth Friday of every month, we do something called Day to Pray. It's when our church has dedicated itself to a day of prayer specifically, and I can't think of a better response in the midst of everything that's happening in the world right now than to pray. So I want to invite you, uh, if you'd like to go to our CTK app or our website, you can click on Day to Pray, sign up for a 30-minute uh, slot or a 60-minute slot. We'd love to join you in prayer. This weekend, uh, or this week on Friday, we're going to come together specifically to pray for unity, to pray for wisdom, to pray for God's heart, to pray for the sanctity of life, to pray for safety, to pray for hope, to pray for peace. And I hope that you'll join us in that effort together. You know, when I was between church assignments back in 1999, I went to work as a subterranean refortification specialist. I made up the title to make myself feel better because what I was actually doing was just crawling under houses and replacing rotten floor joists with new ones. I didn't like the job at all, but I was thankful to be working at the time. I got sent by my boss underneath one particular house with a sawzall. I was supposed to cut out some subfloor and replace it. And so I'm underneath of the floor laying on my back, cutting away, and I noticed some brown fuzz coming down from the saw. And I thought, well, that's weird, but I just kept on cutting because that's what I was supposed to do. And then I heard a voice from above me say, Grant, stop. And I'm like, Lord, is that no... Um, it was my boss. His name was Mark. Turns out I wasn't just cutting through the subfloor. I was cutting through the subfloor, the actual floor, the carpet pad, the carpet itself, hence the brown fuzz that was coming off of the saw. And I was apparently headed directly for the owner's sofa that the owner was sitting on in his living room when my boss said, please stop, please stop. Here's the lesson. Grant should never be in construction, ever. Ever. You know why? Because I'm dangerous with power tools. It's not my role and it's not my gift. This weekend, I want you to acknowledge or figure out what your gift is, and then I would love for you to consider how you could use it for the glory of God. By the end of today, we're going to end up in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard the words of 1 Corinthians 13. It's called the love chapter. But my question to you is this Do you know what comes right before that? Let's go to work in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you've got a Bible with you, I'd invite you to turn there. But this is where Paul, the pastor of one of the very first churches in existence, is addressing a group of people. Here's what's interesting about his audience. They're off in the weeds. They're fighting with each other. They're experiencing tension and frustration. Sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? And here's what the pastor reminds his people in the midst of all of this chaos. This is what he says. There are different kinds of gifts. But the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. 
to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. That means this, every single person in the room and watching right now, you have a spiritual gift. It has been given to you by God for the benefit of the rest of the followers of Jesus. It is so important for us to know this. Your gift is not designed to build you up. It's for the sake of the body, for the family. So here's the challenge. You need to know your gift and use it. 1 Peter chapter 4, the Bible says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And then he gets really, really personal for me. He says, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. That's intimidating. But that's kind of the goal, right? So you've got a gift, I've got a gift, and all of the gifts are not to build ourselves up. They're supposed to build up the people around us. So I need you to go to work with me, all right? Grab your phone, pull it out, come on. I know you got it with you. You probably silenced it already because you're nice, good church people at the 930 service. It's just good. But take it out and turn it back on again. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to open a browser and go to ctk.church survey. Okay? ctk.church survey. Some of you are like, I left my phone in the car. I thought that's what we were supposed to do. <laughs> you can bring it with you. Just, it's cool. All right? ctk.church survey. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go through a list of 19 spiritual gifts. I'm going to give you a one-sentence description of each one of the gifts. Now, if you go through Scripture, some will, people will list as many as 27 different gifts, some as few as 12, but we're going to cover 19 of them. And we're going to do a live poll to find out who has what gift in the body of Christ, okay? The Bible uses the imagery of a human body, that all the parts are supposed to work together to make the body actually live, okay? I think I might be a voice box, Maybe a spleen. I'm not exactly sure. I'm still trying to figure out some different pieces. But you're going to simply pick the one gift that resonates the deepest in your soul. Now, I'm going to say this. Just because you click on a gift doesn't mean you're locked in for the rest of your life. Okay? Some of you know what your gift is right this second. You're just like, yep, there it is. Click. Others of you are like, I have no idea. This is a great opportunity to try and figure out and then go and experiment with the gift to figure out, is this what really God has called me to do and be. So I'm going to say it again. If you click one, you can change your mind tomorrow. Okay? You can press into other gifts. We just want you to open your heart to the gifts of the body because we want to know who's doing what around here because every one of us has a gift and we're supposed to be using it for the glory of God. All right? So here we go. And I'm going to move quick. So just pay attention as we're going through it. First gift of is administration. Those with this gift, organize, direct, and implement plans to lead others in the church. I have an executive assistant. Her name is Jessica. She helps organize my pencils in order of height. Okay? If that's your gift, if you like labeling things and creating flow charts, you probably have the gift of administration, okay? Second gift, apostolic. Apostles plant churches and go where the gospel isn't preached, reaching across cultures to establish churches in challenging environments, develop leaders, call out and lead pastors. If you have a dream of creating new bodies and you, you're always thinking out in front, you may have an apostolic gift. Thirdly, discernment. Those with discernment clearly recognize and distinguish between the influence of God, Satan, the world, and the flesh in any given situation. If you're the kind of person that can walk into a room and go, oh, this is, that's evil. 
You have the gift of discernment. Evangelists. Evangelists clearly and effectively communicate the gospel. They're open to the leading of the Holy Spirit and go out of their way to share the truth and build relationships with those who don't know Jesus. Yesterday afternoon at 2.10, there was an evangelist working at Woods Coffee right down the street. Because I eavesdrop on their conversation and I heard, you know what, I just have to tell you what Jesus did in my life. And I'm like, that's the gift right there. Next one, exhortation and encouragement. Those with exhortation strengthen and encourage people who are wavering in their faith. They uplift and motivate others as well as challenge and rebuke them in order to foster spiritual growth and action. If you like to hug people and then kick them in the butt, you may have that gift, all right? Just make sure you're pushing them in the right direction. The gift of faith. Those with the gift of faith encourage and build up the church's confidence in God. They trust that God is sovereign and good. They take him at his word and put the full weight of their lives in his hands. My wife has the gift of faith. She does not see COVID as an obstacle. It's an opportunity for God to show up huge. That's the gift of faith, okay? The gift of giving. Those with the gift of giving meet various needs of the church. They're hospitable. Seek out ways to share with others what God has given to them. So if you're oriented towards generosity, you probably have the gift of giving. People, uh, next one, healing. People with this gift are compassionate and have great faith. They trust that God can and will heal some, but are not deterred when he chooses not to. They're motivated by knowing that God's revealed power will draw people to faith in Jesus. We have people in our church who have this gift. And when they come to pray and lay hands on people in an act of surrender, God does crazy, crazy, crazy cool stuff. Next one, interpretation of tongues. This gift is given to reveal the meaning of messages spoken in an unknown tongue to God. Interpretation has the effect of encouraging and blessing the church to love and serve God more deeply. So if someone speaks in a tongue and you can interpret that, it's a spiritual gift. Here's the gift of knowledge. Those with knowledge bring about understanding and inform the church of the truth. They're well-versed in the scriptures and communicate it effectively and appropriately at appropriate times. If God gives you words of knowledge and you share them with people and people go, I have no idea how you know that about me, you might have the gift of knowledge. Leadership. Leaders care for the church and lead God's people into deeper relationship with Christ and each other. They lead relationally and with deep concern for the well-being of others. So if, you're, if you have a bunch of people following you and you can't figure out why, you might be a leader. Okay? The gift of mercy. Mercy is founded on God's mercy towards us and is consistently expressed with compassion. Those with this gift are sensitive to the feelings and circumstances of others and can quickly discern when someone is not doing well. There are two ladies sitting right here in the room about six or seven rows back. Their names are Jerry and Chris and they both have the gift of mercy. Because at different times they've come up and said, hey, you're not doing very well, how can I pray? That's mercy in action right there, okay? The gift of miracles. Those with this gift have a sensitivity to the presence and the power of God through his Holy Spirit. They have a special measure of faith and desire for God to reveal himself. This gift is often accompanied by prayer and strong petition by these individuals for God to reveal his glory. If you pray and supernatural things begin to happen, you may have the gift of miracles. And yes, for the record, we do have people with that gift in this church. I've seen it. Pastor Shepherd. Pastors teach, guide, protect, and lead the church. They're placed in a position of authority by the Holy Spirit and lead humbly with a desire to serve. If that describes you, we should probably talk. The gift of prophecy. 
Prophets make God's heart known for the benefit of all. They're sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. They're humble and study the scriptures in order to test these revelations before speaking them. If you see the gift of prophecy and go, yeah, yeah, that's me right there. I'm going to tell the church what to do and what's coming next, then you're not a prophet. If you cut a prophet, they bleed love and they bleed humility. I received a word of prophecy last night from a wonderful lady in our church. She came and submitted it. She was freaking out. She's like, this is what God submitted to me. I'm submitting it to you. Please test it. And if it's nothing, just throw it away. I'm like, thank you so much for your humility. It's beautiful. Let's keep going. A couple more. Serving and ministering. Those with the serving gift help meet the needs of the church as it fulfills the Great Commission. They free up others to use their gifts to the fullest. A whole bunch of servants showed up at the farm this year. I love the fact they outgrew their total board. They only had room for five figures. They had to add an extra one. They produced over 107,000 pounds of fresh produce that we gave away to our community for free because people were hungry. I think that's just a really, really cool thing. Let's keep going. The gift of teaching. Teachers help the church fulfill her ministry. They love truth. They won't hide it or withhold it. They strengthen the church and demonstrate God's love, revealing truth without fear. If you have a passion to share the word of God with someone, you have the gift of teaching. The gift of tongues, the Holy Spirit, gives some believers the spiritual gift of tongues to glorify God and with the help of an interpreter to edify the church. I believe this gift is available to every single person inside of the room. It's often misunderstood, but I think we're learning more and more about the beauty of this particular gift. And by the way, if you have someone who's speaking in tongues, you also are going to need an interpreter. So that's a really good, that's a really good gift to, to, to yoke up with another person. And then here's the final one. It's the gift of wisdom. Those with wisdom impart the truth and understanding to believers, prompting a response of holiness and worship lived out in the world. Going beyond knowledge, wisdom is expressed in transformed hearts and lives. So I just look around the room and I see people that have these gifts all over the place. Like Bill, seriously, bro? Gift of mercy, my friend. Like, I mean, it's everywhere. It just hangs all over you. The gift of service and the work you do at the mission... Thank God for you, my brother. So I want you to go through it. I could just stand here and call him out in the room all over the place. My friend DJ, gift of generosity, my goodness, like it's just so obvious. But I want you to actually walk through it and I want you to pick one and then hit submit. And then later on in the service, we're going to do a quick update with everybody. We're going to take the Saturday service, put the 9.30 service behind it, and we're going to see where we all map inside of this. Now, let's start talking about how these gifts actually work together. Some of you don't like your gift. <laughs> You're like, I don't want that. That's not the part I want to play. I don't want to be a prophet. I don't want to be the big toe in the body. I want to aspire to something different. You know, I don't want to be the big toe. I want to be the finger of God. That's what I want. I want to point out other people's faults because I'm good at it. <laughs> no, you're not. You're just being arrogant. Okay, just let's be honest. We need to keep the balance because every single part of our role matters. Without this thumb, this hand does not work. And Paul keeps pressing in, 1 Corinthians 12, and he gives everybody a pep talk. He says this, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. 
On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with a special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. Let me say that again. There should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So I'm pretty sure my body part has something to do with voice. Because I talk. But I'll tell you what. A mouth all by itself is really, really dangerous. You know what this mouth needs? This mouth needs the wisdom and discernment gifts of Floral Fishbook. This voice needs the leadership gifts of Pastor Melanie Kim. This voice needs the compassion gift of Lori Brown. This voice needs the prayer and intercession gifts of Rick and Ann, Everett and Gail, Diana, Scott and Monique on Saturday nights. This voice needs the apostolic calling of Derek. I need the compassionate help gifts of AJ. I need your gifts or else the body of Christ is represented as a great big mouth that just keeps yapping every single weekend. Every part matters. Now let's be honest, as humans we tend to rank in order of importance, right? We're just like, I want to be a brain. I want to be a heart, right? But the reality is this. Did you know without a big toe, you can't walk right? Without a saliva gland, the mouth is always dry. Without a nose hair, the filtration system doesn't work and we sneeze. You're not allowed to sneeze in our culture right now. <laughs> Somebody sneezed on an airplane with me this past week and everyone, yeah, yeah. this is hand sanitizer. Every part matters. What's the point? Know your role and do it. Know your role and do it. And I know people are just like, oh, come on, Graham, we can't use our gifts right now because we can't be in the building as much. Really? I mean, for the love of God, haven't we learned in this past season, the church is not a building. It's a body. We haven't been the church gathered. Praise God, we've been the church scattered. That means this, greeters, you may not be able to greet in the comments, you can greet in your driveway. Hi, Sally. Doing okay? You need anything? How's your husband doing? Is he okay? I heard you guys were in the hospital. You doing all right? Greeters, you can greet right now. Prophets, you can still send a word to be tested and weighed and prayed through. Compassion people, you can, you can just love. Everybody needs a little love right now. I mean, we need some mercy and compassion people to step up and socially distant hug, whatever you need to do. The body of Christ doesn't need to stop functioning because of a building. So one more time, know your gift and use it. Know your role and do it. And then this little gem shows up at the end of 1 Corinthians 12. I just love how this transition happens. Paul says this. He gives them all a pep talk. You got to have your role. You got to do it. And then he says this. And yet I will show you, yet I will show you the most excellent way. Here's the point of what's coming next. You need to know that there's something even greater than your gift in your role. 
There's something bigger than your gift and your role. And that helps keep it all in check. Because I tell you what, my gift is not to elevate me. Your gift is not to elevate you. Our gifts are to elevate Jesus. Your gift and your role, they might have the right motivation. But if they don't have the right exact motivation of love, they are completely irrelevant. Gifts without the right heart do more damage than good. I, I can have a teaching gift, but I te- if I teach evil, that doesn't help anybody. So what's the motivator? Here it comes, the most excellent way. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Can I be honest? I hear a lot of noise these days, especially from Christians. Bang, 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 bang. And I ask one question, where's the love? Because according to this Bible, if you don't love even the people you disagree with, you're just noise. You're just noise. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but don't have love, I'm nothing. Wow. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but don't have love, I gain nothing. What's the clear truth of this passage? It's simple. Love is the one and only thing that validates your gift in your role. Which means this, if Bill doesn't have compassion with love, it doesn't work. If Grant doesn't teach with love, it doesn't work. If Randy and Kathy don't greet with love, it doesn't work. Without the love of God, your gift does nothing. And this is the most beautiful description because God then lays out the most, I think the most beautiful and epic definition of love. And boy, do we need to hear this right now. Just soak in this for a second. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. Love does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Oh, underline this next one. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Somebody say amen. So my friend Randy is a very, very gifted young man. He was playing the piano. He's actually been on staff here at CTK longer than I have. Randy's not only a very gifted musician, but he's also, uh, I believe Randy has the gift of wisdom. I send him my sermon outline every week, and he always sends it back better. She's better. And this week, he actually attached some thoughts. He said, I was looking through this 1 Corinthians 13, and, and he sent me some thoughts. And I thought, well, that's a gift being used that's encouraging the entire body. So I'd like to quote the great theologian Randy Borland. He said this. What I notice about every one of these statements is that love is always for others, never against Love always puts others first, honors others, and assumes the best of others. This kind of love is so attractive, so winsome, so like Jesus. Who wouldn't gladly receive this kind of love? Who wouldn't be blessed and humbled by this kind of love? Who would be offended by any of these qualities? If God is love, couldn't he empower us to love like Jesus does? Boom. Boom. 
You know, I remind you of something. The Bible says God is love, which means if you actually read 1 Corinthians 13, it's not only a motivator for how we're supposed to be motivated by love, it's also a description of Jesus. If God is love, this is what this means. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus doesn't envy, doesn't boast. He's not proud. Jesus doesn't dishonor others. He's not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Wow. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Jesus always protects. Jesus always trusts. Jesus always hopes. Jesus always perseveres. Jesus never fails. So if you're searching, look beyond Christians right now and look to Jesus because all of that love is directed at you. So if that's the love of God, here's what we must choose. This week, for the next seven days, this is our homework. We need to choose love with every person in every moment for the sake of Jesus, utilizing the gifts that he's given us because I promise you, if we do that as a family, Whatcom County will be better. And I know some of you are like, really, that's it? Choose love? That's the message? Sounds pretty simple. (laughs) Sounds a little small, Grant. Jesus said, who is, he who is faithful in very little will also be faithful in much. <laughs> and he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is also unrighteous in much. My wife has a discernment gift. She sent me this little thing that's been running around inside my brain all week long. Pennies make dollars. Bricks make walls. Days make years. Verses make Bibles. Thoughts make philosophy. And a small little portion of love changes the world. People of God, we need to do a better job of loving each other. We need to do a better job of loving the world that we live in because if, if, if we don't, according to the Bible, then we amount to Nothing. So may the apostolic gifting rise up at Christ the King Church. May the prophetic words begin to flow. May tongues be unleashed to speak of unsearchable, unseekable things. May the servant orientation of people wrap a towel around their waist like Jesus does and shows the full extent of their love to people who were going to abandon him. May the leaders lead. May the whole body work together so that we can run, walk, or crawl across the finish line of faith together. All right, let's find out who's in the room. Someone backstage has some gift connected to technology. For that, I'm unbelievably grateful because I don't know how to do any of this stuff. By the way, that gifting belongs to a young man by the name of Drew, (laughs) who you met earlier in the service. And Drew, as happy as you are to be on our team, we are so glad to have you on our team. Oh, fascinating. Here's the top five. 
19% of the people who've watched this so far, 19% of you believe you have the gift of service. Serve. Serve. Get creative. Think about all of the different ways you could serve the people around you, the people that God has placed strategically next to you. Serve somebody on the way out of the parking lot today. I mean, there's just so many opportunities right now for us to serve in the name of Jesus. And I'll tell you what, in this hostile environment, it will make people freak out if you do something service-oriented to warn something like that. It's crazy. 19% of you said service. 11% of you said mercy. What did Mr. Rogers always used to say? Mercy. <laughs> the gift of mercy allows you to come alongside of somebody, experience this beautiful thing called empathy, and help bear their burden. Anybody else know of anybody in the world right now that's feeling a little weighted down? Come on, mercy people. Have mercy. <laughs> Administration. Wow, we got a whole bunch of organizers. I'm going to unleash you into some of the pastor's offices to get those places cleaned up, all right? The organizers, the people who put things together. You know that farm out there? It doesn't grow unless there's somebody to administrate which seeds are going in the ground at a particular time. We all need each other. I know one thing about gardening, green and up. That's how it works, right? <laughs> but praise God for the people who understand that. 9% of you believe you're teachers. Good. Because a lot of you became teachers, whether you wanted to or not, in the last seven months. I wonder, could it be that God actually appointed you into that role? What if you embraced it instead of resented it? Come on, pastor, now you're meddling. All right. 9% of you have the gift of giving. I can attribute that. I was asked on the way in today, hey, Grant, how's, how's CTK doing financially? You know what, we're doing okay, but we're starting to feel it the same way you are. We're going to need some givers to step up. But the cool thing is, God has blessed us with this history of generosity. And I know this about givers. They know that it all belongs to Jesus anyway. That's cool. Here's this great big gray bar at the bottom, which is fascinating. 43% of you submitted something other than the top five. And I know some of you are just like, oh, there it is. I knew I was a big toe. <laughs> Can I remind you of what it said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Every part matters. And if you didn't make the top five, what it means is this. It means you have one of those really rare gifts that the body desperately needs because without you, there's just certain things we can't do. I'm thankful for those of you that have some of the rarer gifts. Because without you, we can't do anything. So my prayer is this, that each one of us would embrace the role that God has given us. That we would know in the depth of our soul that our part matters. That even if we're experimenting with the gift, that we actually take the opportunity to experiment. Like, I think I have the gift of compassion. Okay, try being compassionate all week and see whether or not Jesus doesn't show up. Your part matters. You are valuable. And in a time like this, in the craziness of what's happening in the world, this body needs to be a body. So to the femurs in the room, 
You have a lot of weight to carry this week, but it's important. To the spines that are in the room right now, I need you because mine gets a little soft sometimes with all the pressure these days. To the eyes in the room who can see not just what is, but what's coming. We need the eyes to start talking to the mouth through the ears so that together we can actually see what God has laid out in front of us as a church. So, there are no small parts. And we need every one of us to step up and step in right now. The world needs us to actually be a body. Oh yeah, and one more reminder. If you don't have love, then it's just a corpse. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you for this body. <laughs> God, I thank you for the moments when, when we actually see the body begin to move and shift. God, we want, we want the body of Christ to stand up in Whatcom County and say, we have a king and he is patient and kind and he keeps no record of wrongs and he always protects and we can trust him and he's never failed us yet. So God, I pray right now that the body of Christ would be infused with new energy and passion. I pray that the prophets would prophesy, that the teachers would teach, that the leaders would lead, that the merciful would give mercy. God, I pray that an overwhelming kindness, love, hope, and joy would spring up through the body and that people in the world around us would take notice. I pray that they would see that our hope comes from the love of Jesus. So God, unleash the tongues. Flood us with miracles, small and large. God, may the wisdom of God's people flow out right now. God, as we are the body, I pray this week we would pause and remember your broken body and your spilled blood because God, those are the things. If that's not a picture of love, I don't know what is. God, help us to remember that the church is a body, not a building. God, for everyone watching at home right now, in a coffee shop, in a car, here in this room, may each of us be committed once again to the gift that you have given us. Because God, I believe if this body does what it was designed to do, the world will change. So God, we're asking right now in this season, as we, as we worship right now together as a body, I pray that we would acknowledge the simple fact, God, in the crushing, in the pressing, you're making new wine, new gifts, new callings, new opportunities. So God, go before us. We love you today. 
We thank you for being our heart. We thank you for being the head of the church. You are our great pastor. And we worship you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.